0: David, thank you for sharing a testimony. I, I heard it in the car. I picked the guys up from the airport that night and it was a real blessing to... Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to pick them up because uh, they're fresh off the, the visit and I knew I'd have an opportunity to hear some of the stories. So that was a real blessing to hear that story. It's a joy to, uh, to speak tonight. I really appreciate uh, John allowing us uh, allowing John, John allowing us to speak, and uh, also a couple of my buddies, David Isbell spoke last week. I really enjoyed hearing David uh, as he uh, talked about being a doer of the work, not just a hearer. And uh, and then John Young, John has been a missionary, as you know, many years in New Zealand. And so we're kind of team teaching. We we've gotten together and sit down and talk about the Book of James. And uh, then we just kind of went to one, two, three, and started dicing up the, uh, in order of the passages and the deals. And so I didn't know when we started doing that, I was going to get this part. I just assumed somebody else had done chapter two verses 1 to 13, <laughs> uh, because uh, James, as you study this book, James is going to poke at some of the ugly sins. And he's real straightforward. James doesn't pull any punches. He's just really straight. And he does this in chapter 2. He's going to talk about uh, being prejudicial. And uh, the word is used, partiality. It's a nice word for being a bigot or prejudiced. And uh, it's a nice word for favoritism. But I want you to know as we study this book, uh, it's going to take us uh, into uh, May, I think, to finish it. Uh, but we're just going one, two, three, one, two, three, and so uh, I started out with the introductory, talking about James, and then John came in and he talked about. You remember, in chapter one, he said in verse two, "Encountered all joy, when you fall into various trials." Now that we recognize through the book of James, there are many, many times that the imperative is used, and it's it's not a suggestion here; it's a command that he uses in the language in verse 2 is one of those imperatives. He says, you counted all joy when you fall into various trials. You you make sure that you weigh down and think really uh, in a consistent way here that the trials that are coming to you, that you need to consider the joy that God can give you through that trial. It's not just a suggestion. There are imperatives in the language that James is speaking, and they are commands. And he is saying, you count it all joy. So the trials that we face, uh, he says you need, in verse 5, pray for wisdom. Remember, John gave us that. And he says that the storms of life come, and the trials come, and the difficulties. It doesn't matter how much you pray, or how good you live, or how wonderful you are, a Christian, you are going to face trials. And God is going to see to it because trials come for our good and for God's glory. Remember that phrase? So that he's going to mature us. We're never going to grow in Christ unless we go through trials. So all of us are going to face trials and God's going to make sure it. And so he says, you need to embrace the trials that you're going through. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time doing that. When trials come, I want to be a whiner. How many of you love trials? How many of you, like me, you want to whine a little bit? Why me, Lord? Why now? And how long is this going to last, this trial? I don't mind trials if they come to pass. That means they get over with and the storm doesn't last you know, I love having the rain, but honestly, I lived in Missouri, and it rains for three weeks on end in Missouri. Anybody live where it rains like that? I, I talked to a missionary, uh, Larry and Jean, and they said they really didn't have culture shock. I said, really? I said, where are you from? She told me. I said, does it rain much there? Well, a little bit. I said, how about Belgium? She said, you know what? Uh, In the winter, we will get a couple of days of sun, all winter, all winter. I want to tell you, when I go to a place where it's cloudy all the time, I get depressed. I'm looking for the sun. You know why? I grew up in West Texas. The sun always shines, you know, unless it's, you know, covered over with sand from New Mexico. It's coming over. And so I'm just saying to you, I like the sun. I I get depressed. But anyway, uh, trials, I, I like for trials to come and go. Sometimes trials come and stay. And so there are trials that last sometimes for your whole life. But we approach trials. So that we, we count it all joy. We pray for wisdom, it says in verse number five. We, we ask the Lord that in faith, help us to grow through this and that God will help us. And then the, the second thing John talked about, if you, I'm just reviewing real quickly here. Verse 12, blessed is he that endures temptation. Now God doesn't tempt anybody to sin. He tests us to strengthen us, but Satan tempts us to destroy us. See the difference? So there are trials that come, but there are temptations that come, and we he's not, God doesn't tempt us. We're drawn away, verse 14, of our own lust. We have desires, we have an ego, we want to get ahead of everybody else, we want to be recognized, we want to get rich, we have appetites that Uh, lead us to sexual sin and eating sins and, and you know, stealing sins and all kinds of things. And so we are drawn away of our lusts, he says, but then we are enticed and Satan's got the bait. He puts the bait out there. He's got the deceptive thing that says, oh, you just take this, you're going to really like it and it won't hurt, but there's a hook in there. And so sin always... It uh, costs you more than you want to pay. It, it takes you farther away from God than you want to go. And it absolutely will ruin and wreck your life more than you ever dreamed, see? So I'm just saying that's we are tested and then we are tempted with our own sin. But God, thank God, he is faithful, well, the Bible tells us He is a God in verse number 17 of chapter 1. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from who? The Father of darkness? The Father of deceit? No. The Father of what? Light. He's the one that can give us joy in the morning. He's the one that can give us the silver lining in the clouds. He's the one that can help us through these difficult times. So he says, you lay aside. I like that David used this superfluity. That's the English word. (laughs) Lay aside the overflow of wickedness. Just put away those things. And then David challenges last time, get involved in the mission. Be a doer. Look, it says in verse 22, be a doer of the work. Don't just hear and just become a bloated Christian. I'm going to go to another Bible study, and I'm going to learn a little bit more, and I'm going to get a little deeper, and I'm going to be able to pass. If they were to give a seminary exam, I could pass it because I got all this Bible knowledge. Is that why God gives us his truth? No. He says, I want you to do something with it. I want you to pass it on. I want you to get out there and see that there are widows and they're orphans. And they in verse 27, and there are people who need help and people who are not like you that you need to love. And there are all of these ministries that I want you to get out. That's what Jesus did, didn't he? He got out where the sinners were, where the people were in need, where they were blind and there were lepers and they were hungry people and there were needy people and he reached out to them. So be a doer of the work, not just a hearer. So when you look into your life, the mirror of the word, don't forget what you see. It might scare you if you get some of those mirrors. My wife has a mirror, she plugs in and it lights up and it magnifies I don't like those mirrors, but you know when, when I use her mirror, at the end of the week, I use her mirror to see what I need to shave that I've missed all week, you know? There are hairs sticking out of my ear that I haven't caught, then there's hair sticking out of my nose. You didn't need to hear that, did you? But. But that, that mirror reveals all that. I don't like to look at that, but once a week's enough for me. And then I'll try to shave that when I'm coming to church so I, somebody doesn't look at me like, there's an old man <laughs> can't see how to shave. <laughs> okay, enough of that. All right. So we need to observe the word, of uh, pierces our heart, sees our attitudes. Now, chapter 2, this is where we're at, and i got to hurry. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Don't be prejudicial. You are not going to be living your faithful life in the Lord with prejudices. God says you are not to live out your faith in a prejudicial way. Now, if there, and so he illustrates it, if there should come into your assembly a man with gold, ring, or gold rings, fine apparel, and there should also come in a man, a poor man in filthy clothes, but you pay attention to the one who's wearing fine clothes and say to him, oh, we've got a nice, good place for you to sit. But you say to the poor man, you stand here or sit here at my footstool. Verse 4. 4 says, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Wow. Now, I, I read that, and I honestly, uh, someone said, well, when did, when did it, we find that prejudice started? When did, when did partiality and favoritism, when did all that begin? Well, honestly, it, it goes back to the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned and they passed on a sin nature and Cain, what did, did Cain love his brother? No, he hated him, didn't he? He became so angry with him. His offering was accepted and his wasn't. And he was angered with him and he murdered his brother. That is partiality, isn't it? And I, I, I looked up because John gave... I saw this on uh, Pastor John's desk yesterday. It was written by a man who normally comes on Wednesday night, but I think he's changed jobs and can't be here. He's a new member. His name is uh, Anj Recundo, is that right? Anj Recundo and I I saw this and I saw his picture on the back. I said, I wanna read this. It's the story of the uh, Rwandan refugees in the genocide that took place in 1994 when uh, the, uh, the, the two tribes were warring. And uh, they came in to his tribe, and they were going to annihilate, and they were going to kill all of their tribe. And their family had to flee their home. And I, I thought, I've read about this before, and it's in the book about Elmer and Mary Deal that's entitled Out of the Mouth of the Lion. Our missionaries, are they've passed on now, but they were 60 years in the Congo because it, it gives the detail of these uh, rebels from R- Rondo who came across into the Congo and upset the whole business in the Congo, right where uh, Elmer and Mary Deal were. And he was a refugee. Thousands and thousands of refugees. There were hundreds of thousands of these uh, people from Rwanda were killed. And he, as an eight-year-old boy, made the trek clear across Rwanda and into the Congo and up. It's an amazing story. I just read about half the book today, so I'm going to but, but why? When you, and so you know what it made me do? It made me look up genocide. So I Googled it and I began to look at all the genocides back from the early 1900s. There are many of them past that, but the Armenians were the ones in World War I who were literally uh, the Turk Ottoman um, Empire wanted to destroy all the Armenians. And so there are over a million of them. And when Hitler began to do his work in World War II against the Jews, he made the statement, nobody will remember what I do here because who remembers Armenia from World War I? No one remembers and no one cares. So he says, I'm going I'm to do what I'm going to do because nobody remembers. You see... There is the height of partiality. It started in the garden when Cain killed his brother. Anger. You see, that's that's carrying prejudice to to the extreme, isn't it? To where it's going to go. And what is the remedy? Jesus has given us the remedy, and James gives it here in verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love your neighbor. Isn't that right? Thou shalt love your neighbor. Now, I I want us to, uh, let me march down, and I'll I'll give you the outline, because you have an outline tonight it has got blanks in it, don't you? Okay, so I got 15 minutes. Here we go. James gives the principle that favoritism is not Christian. It's not a part of our faith. Do not, verse 1, don't hold the faith of our Lord Jesus. Don't hold your faith with partiality. Favoritism, prejudices, is not Christian. And so favoritism or partiality is uh, defined as two Greek words. It means to receive by face. To receive by face. It's the idea of judging others solely on external face values. External such as clothes that we wear, cars we drive, the color of our skin, Our ethnicity, we judge on externals, like someone walked in tonight with a New York t-shirt on. I looked at him and said, what are you doing wearing that Yankee t-shirt in here? The Yankees, we're fixing to start the Rangers play. Amen. You see how partial we are when Texas plays Oklahoma? We are partial. What do we think about people from Arkansas? Do you see what I'm saying? What do we think about Okies? I have to be careful there because my wife's an Okie. Not from Muskogee, though. (laughs) She's from Ponca City. I used to call that city Ponca City, but it's Ponca City. (laughs) You see how our prejudice run, our favoritism, we are favoring in the, the tournament. There's a basketball tournament, and I guarantee you, at my house, we're favoring KU. We are Jayhawkers. Is that right? Yeah. I tell you, my, my family, are all Jayhawkers because they grew up watching basketball. But favoritism is, is based upon externals, so that we look at someone and we make that judgment. Did you know when you come to church that there's a law here of uh, first impressions, when new people come, they're going to they're get an impression about us. In the first 10 minutes, they're going to make up their mind whether they're going to come again or not. And, and that's the first impression. We uh, That's what we're saying when we see someone, we look at them, we make a judgment as to whether... We're going to like them or not, many times based upon those externals are the very first thing we say. We make a mind, a person says one thing and we, we make a judgment about them, that first impression. And it's hard to get that out of our mind. So he said, don't hold your faith with partiality. And he gives the illustration about a man coming in nice clothing and someone coming in tattered clothing. And we put the guy in tattered clothing in a standing room only section over here, and then we give the best seat in the house, the VIP section of the guy that's dressed up and got rings on his hand. And and that's what he's saying. A judgment purely on outward appearance is prejudicial. And that's what he's saying here. Um, Verse 4. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? James Verse number, uh, James, number two, James gives this illustration. That's the blank illustration. Number three, James condemns such favoritism. Now, I have to tell you, we're all born in sin. Can you say amen to that? That makes all of us subject to being prejudicial because we're sinners I'm prejudiced I admit it I have to work not to be prejudicial it's in my nature my nature is simple but what happened Jesus saved me and then he began to work on me to love as God loves you see, favoritism is number A there. He condemns favoritism. Favoritism is inconsistent with our faith. Now, I want you to look on the, second, the back of your sheet. Our faith is in a God who is totally impartial. Now, I want you to turn. There's a scripture there. 2 Chronicles 19.7. We're going to look at the nature of God for a moment. If we serve God, we have faith in our God. What kind of God is it that we serve? In 2 Chronicles chapter number 19, I'll give you a moment to turn there because it's a great verse. And we're going to be close to there in a moment. 2 Chronicles 19 and verse 7, it says, Now therefore, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no partiality, nor taking of bribes. You see, you, you can't buy your way into favor with God. Why? Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For there is not a just man on earth who doeth good and sinneth not, Ecclesiastes 7.20. Our God is absolutely impartial. There is no taking of bribes. Turn, if you will, to Deuteronomy, another great verse. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 17. Deuteronomy 10, verse 17. For the Lord your God is a God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow, loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger. Don't be prejudiced against him. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God and shall serve him. And to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. He is your praise. He is your God who had done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt with only 70 Now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of the heaven in multitude. Speaking of the growth of the nation of Israel, even under bondage. So our God shows no partiality, does not take a bribe. And he says, you are to be like me. Be holy as I am holy, 1 Peter tells us. When we come to Christ to be a follower of Christ, we're to become like Christ. Can I get a witness there? So... We have to strive to be impartial. The B, favoritism destroys our oneness in Christ. For God is holy and loves us all. We all need forgiveness because we've all sinned and broken the laws of God. But Christ said the church, in Christ, the church is to be One. We're to have the joy of the Lord and to love all, and the gospel has been given for all. Turn, if you will, to Galatians chapter 3. It's a powerful verse. I won't read that in Colossians. David did such a great job going through Colossians. The, a, par, uh, uh, a parallel uh, verse is in Colossians 3.10. But let's look for just a moment at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26 through 29. For Christ has saved us, and in verse 26, he says, For you are all the sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, neither is there Jew or Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You see, Christ broke down the wall between Jews and Greeks and brought them together, the church. He says the gospel is for all nations and the church is to be a place where all come to hear the gospel. And that is not easy because we are born in sin and we are prejudicial. Isn't that right? Yeah. So we have to overcome that. God wants us to overcome it. And to love people who are not like us. To love people who are different than us. To love the stranger. We are neither Jew nor Greek. I don't know how many, have you ever been around too many Jews and Greeks? But I tell you, when uh, we had a missionary, who we had not been here in years, but I love to read him on Facebook. It's George Demacus. John, didn't you go to school with George? was he in the school when you were there? Well, I I've sat with him in a booth in New York City one time, and I said, you know, the, this, this, this movie just came out by Big Fat Greek Wedding. It's an older movie. How many of you remember that movie? And you remember how uh, the dad, who was the Greek uh, leader of the family, he went everywhere with Windex, Everything was going to be cured with Windex and none, nothing was better than a Greek. And everything, and the Greek has done everything the best that's ever been done and anything and knows more than anybody else the Greek does. And so that's his attitude. But when they get together, they were so loud and boisterous. And I looked at George and his wife and I said, Are Greeks really like that? And she said, Absolutely. We are just like that. When our family gets together, we're so loud and we're yelling and hopping and going around. I said, okay, you convinced me. <laughs> and I'm just saying, you get a Jew and a Greek together, that's, that's, that's a tough mix right there. Well, Jesus went to the Greeks. He went to Samaritans that the Jews hated. He went to the lepers he went to eat at Publican's house, he went to the tax house and the Jews were not about to go there. Jesus went to all, see. That's the love of Jesus. Favoritism destroys our oneness in Christ because in Christ we're brought together. Favoritism, see, reveals an evil arrogant judgmental heart. That's pretty tough, isn't it? Well, you go back to James and that's what he says to us. He's in your face. And he, he is not pulling any punches when he comes very straightforward with our sins. And there's so many of them, and he's going he's to get after us here in the book of James. But we just need to take it patiently, pray about it, be slow to, uh, swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. And so he says in verse number 9, but if you show partiality, you commit what? sin oh he said some of you say well hey i haven't committed adultery and i haven't murdered anybody but you have committed and broken the royal law love god with all your heart soul and mind love your neighbor as yourself the whole law is wrapped up in those two things jesus said and loving your neighbor as yourself when you are partial and you are prejudicial against someone He said, you are committing sin. Judging the value of someone based upon their appearance. That's what he's saying here. Seeking to please some men because you have a desire for personal gain. A favor they're going to give you back because you favor them. See? I I remember when we were in our trip with the uh, kids from the uh, Homes of Hope a couple weeks ago. When our devotion one morning, we said, when we go out today, we are going to do what, a bit, our best to be a blessing and a help to those who can help us. And so we're going to go out to poor kids and we're going to put shoes on their feet. We're going to go to a home and give them water filter. And we're going we're to share with people the love of Christ and give them something they can never repay us. And it was really funny. The second visit we made, the lady looked us after. We gave her the water filter, and one of the boys explained how it worked. She said, we are so thankful. She said, we could never repay you for your kindness to us. And the guys looked up. They looked over at each other. We just talked about it that day, and there she expressed it to us. You see, helping those who can't help you back. Being kind and loving. The remedy of favoritism is the royal law. To be like God is to love as God loves, to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what he gives us in verse number eight. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. People have been prejudicial all over this world, it's not just here in America. We have plenty of prejudice in America. I grew up in the day when my dad drove a bus, and if there's anything that really hurt my heart was to go into a bus station when I was a kid and see a, a water fountain that said whites only. To walk around the other side, we had a really nice cafe in a bus station downtown Lubbock, Texas. But you'd go around to a little hole in the wall, and the, the cafeteria where I ate said whites only, and there was another little cafe where The blacks ate, and I got on the bus and rode with my dad many times, and what was really sad was to see my dad, he had a little club he kept underneath his seat, and he would make sure it was ready in case he needed it because all the whites sit up front, and there was one back row, and they were all escorted to the back row, and they had to sit on the back row. I mean, I was a boy, I witnessed all of that in America you know, the separate but equal law. It was separate, all right, but it sure wasn't equal. And I know as a boy, I witnessed that and I thought, I don't get this. Because I played ball with a mixed crowd. I worked in a laundry. We had African Americans and we had... Hispanics, and we all worked together. We did the same jobs. We all laughed and took the breaks together. And that's, you know, at 14, I'm working with side by side with all different. And, and there, I got to know them. I went to school with them. I played ball with them. And I just thought, I don't understand this. This, 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 this hits my heart wrong. But it was the law in those days. Thank God that law got changed, amen? We're all one in Christ. We ought to love each other. We ought not to make judgmental decisions about the value of somebody on that first glance of what we see. We ought to love people and witness to them and care for them and welcome them in the family of God. Just like kids who are underprivileged and kids who are handicapped, they need the love of Jesus. They need to see the love. We need to be the helping hand of Jesus. Well, this is a tough deal. This is is an ugly sin. But James is pointing it out, isn't he? The Word of God is pointing it out. So we have to pray about that. Overcome prejudice. Work that God would give us the joy of loving our brothers who are not like us and loving a diverse church. You look at chapter 13 of Acts and you see the makeup of the Antioch church. It was so diverse. Wow, what a powerful testimony of the love of Jesus Christ.